The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome back to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr., writer and editor here for the Peninsula Pulse and Door County Living Magazine. And this is uh, part three of a series of podcasts that we're doing with talking about housing and not just, hey, here's this housing problem, but how are we attacking it locally? Who's stepping up to try and uh, do something about our housing shortage? And then also talking to people from outside the area. And that's what we're doing today is we're going to talk to Mia Vlar, the Economic Development Director for the town of Vail, Colorado. And they've been doing some... uh, very different approaches that have not been tried in Door County to attack both housing and their tourism sustainability in that community in a mountain town. So it's great to be able to learn from people outside our area. And Mia, thank you for taking the time and joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Miles. It's a pleasure to be with you. You know, Vail is a famous resort community, of course, but I'm going to ask you to give us kind of a description of Vail for those who aren't really familiar with Vail, Colorado, but also I imagine a lot of us aren't very familiar with like the heart and soul and the issues that people in Vail are facing. Well, thanks for that invitation to tell you a little bit about our, our little town. But, you know, I think what's interesting is the things that really make us different or make us stand out from a lot of other mountain resort towns. So, Vail was actually conceived of by some gentlemen who were in the 10th Mountain Division of the Army in the Second World War. And the area was identified by a gentleman named Pete Seibert, working with a local rancher named Earl Eaton, who was also in the 10th Mountain Division. He saw the area at the top of Vail into the back bowls for skiing and said, this is the place where I want to establish a ski resort. It actually started as a ski resort in 1962, Hmm. and then it grew into a town in 1966. So we're kind of backward, right? We were were a resort first. We were always... (laughs) a tourist destination. That was what we were conceived as and created as. Hmm. And then that was back in 1962. Um, we re- recently celebrated our 60th anniversary as a uh, resort. And we, we have about 5,000 residents. That uh, population is kind of stable, if not falling a bit, and about two and a half million visitors a year. So you can imagine kind of the impacts of the really the, the industry that runs the resort, which is tourism. And then the the community that supports that resort and the broader community, which includes Beaver Creek Resort down the hill, that's also part of the epic family of Vail Resorts, and then quite a few other smaller communities that uh, all kind of run on the tourism economy. Yeah, so it sounds like you are similar to Door County in a sense, in that obviously tourism is the lifeblood of the community, but more in a much more pronounced, defined way. Like, hey, we were created out, out of whole cloth for this purpose, whereas Door County settled as fishing, logging, community and slowly over time grew into this where tourism is is the lifeblood of it. But what about the the people? Like what is what is the culture of the town? You mentioned how it's two and a half million visitors. I would imagine like how does that split work out? Is it eighty percent winter, twenty percent summer? Do you have a more year round base? It's a good question. It does definitely kind of divide into quite honestly, two slightly different types of guests. In the winter, our guests are a little bit more upscale, a very high net worth income family or couples or that type of thing. And that's just because we've always been, you know, with the Epic Pass Resort family, we're at the top of the heap with limited numbers of days available. We provide a very high level of guest experience and we have a lot of, you know, top level hotels, et cetera. So that experience kind of drives 
that market. And then in the summer, the stay is a little bit shorter. People don't stay quite as long. They tend to be driving through a lot more families and it's a little bit more affordable. So, you know, the guest varies a little bit, but then there's a very, very strong, of course, much like Door County, second homeowner community that spends anywhere from two weeks a year to, you know, six months a year here. It just kind of depends on their needs. So the community is comprised of the folks who live and work here, the folks who consider this a second or third home and maybe spend a lot of time here and maybe spend a little, and then those who just come for a visit. And so it sounds like your community there in Vail is so similar to ours in that if I'm on the outside looking in at Door County and this happens, whether it's at the state representative level or just casual other residents from elsewhere in Wisconsin, they see Door County as this place they go and visit. It's a beautiful place with nice homes and all the waterfront. And they, you know, their impression of life here is, is their vacation. And just like my impression of Vail might be, all right, rich people going skiing, right? <laughs> in, in these insanely expensive homes. But as I know in Door County, that's not the reality for the people who call this place home. And I'm guessing that's not the reality for the people who call Vail home. That, that's really fair, Miles. And I think that probably you all have experienced a very similar kind of uh, trend or, or unfortunately impact that we experienced after and during and after COVID where so many people really kind of flocked to the places that they like to be because they weren't allowed to be with other people anyway. And so they just preferred to be where their happy place was. And so we had an influx of people who came in or maybe even moved here. I love the story of a friend of mine in a park walking her dog, kept seeing the same person. And she said, gosh, have you have you moved into the neighborhood? She said, yes. And she said, oh, that's so cool. What do you do? And she said, I work for SpaceX. <laughs> so, you know, that's the type of phenomenon that we were experiencing. Wow, you work for SpaceX and you live in my neighborhood. Okay, that's really interesting. So there was a a tremendous and very, very fast rise in values, which very quickly priced out those folks that still had the ability to work hard, save their money and get into a reasonable rate for some type of price for a home. Suddenly we had a a complete lack of housing, not only in Vail, but all throughout the community. And I mean, that sounds exactly like us, right? (laughs) And it was was pretty Mm -hmm. stunning to see it because I still remember thinking, oh man, we're going into another real estate crash you know, that market's going to be crushed by this. And then, you know, a few weeks later, a, f- a realtor friend of mine said, you should check out vacant land sales. They're, uh, it's surprisingly hot right now. We're getting a lot of calls. And that was the first indication that, oh, wait, people are mm. seeing this as a long-term thing. They're looking to like get out of the city or get, get to their happy place in not just a, hey, I'm going to come up there and stay for a couple of weeks, but people proactively going out and buying property. And that I remember just being stunned by that. And in hindsight now, it's just like, you know, we talk about it so much that it just seems like a given, but we forget how, how weird that was when that first started trickling in. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's interesting is Door County is probably like the Eagle County area as well, where we're located in that rural internet was a huge issue. Yes. And we kind of did a quick catch up piece because our schools needed it for us to be able to continue to operate. And so I don't, I don't think we're in terrible shape in terms of rural internet, but we're still truly rural internet. We don't have a lot of choices here. And yeah, it's a little dangerous because you don't have a lot of redundancy. You're absolutely right. We have, uh, I've never seen every community in this county. We cover 19 different municipalities and almost all of them went from barely touching, you know, everyone complains about our internet, but no one was actually doing anything for decades. And now every single community has an initiative. Part of that is because of ARPA money that came out and all the grants that became available, but it just forced it 
to where as a newspaper, we're doing a story about one community or another working on broadband every single week. And there it's you go. Right. from mm-hmm. the busiest tourism spot to our most rural communities are all doing it at once in part because of that, what COVID taught us of like, whoa, you kind of have to have it if you're going to survive in general, right. but especially in a, in a crisis. So many weird byproducts of, of that COVID era. And what drew me to wanting to talk to you is actually Ellie Soderberg from the Village of Sister Bay had seen a, a presentation that you gave at a conference about tourism and said that, Miles, you, she talked about a lot of the stuff you're writing about. You, you'd be really interested in this. And so she sent me some information about the Vail Stewardship Roadmap. And that, you know, obviously caught my eye. And then as I read into it, I, I saw that you guys seem like you're in the same boat as we are, where you have a local community that knows you need the tourism, but also wants to do it in a way that preserves who they are as a community and who they they feel that they, you know, they, what they're holding on to, right? So you embarked on this thing called the Vale Stewardship Roadmap, and I'd like you to tell us how that came about and what what was the process and what you, have you learned from it? Where are you going? Yeah, I mean it's been such an interesting journey for us because in a very kind of an unusual way, Vale was a leader early on in becoming a certified sustainable destination as certified by a, a body called the Green Destinations Council. So in back in 2017, we uh, achieved that designation, which meant that we are very committed to preserving our natural environment, protecting our natural resources, providing a good quality of life for the people who live here, as well as the people who visit here, et cetera. And so as part of that process, we had to kind of do a very thorough inventory of everything from recycling and water protection to culture and arts and history and um, looking at our lifestyle and ensuring that we're listening to our local community. So for the first time in 2022, due to several delays, which were primarily due to COVID, we actually engaged in a very robust public engagement process where with the 5,000 or so residents we have and all the folks who come in and work in Vail every day and then go sleep in another community, we engaged over 3,000 individual folks in, in this process with public workshops in person. We did virtual workshops. We did focus groups. We did individual conversations with various community leaders that represented different sectors. And so with all of that, had an incredible opportunity to listen, just to listen to what the community valued and what they needed and what we needed to address in order to protect our way of life. And so it was the first time that we ever took the entirety of the community through the lens of tourism and said, how can tourism actually help this situation? Mm-hmm. What can tourism do to, to ameliorate or to actually mitigate the negative impacts of what's going on as a result of all these folks who come in and then leave and, and use our use our community as a second home, et cetera. And so we came out with five, you know, guiding principles and they were around the types of themes that I imagine would resonate very much with Door County. The first one was housing. It reached the crisis level uh, after the pandemic very quickly. And although we've been creating housing for many years, we had to significantly accelerate what we're doing there. The second one was around the importance of having a, a very robust guest experience. That's always been a priority for Vail. It always will. We're very much a committed tourism economy, but but making sure that that guest experience is then extended to the folks who live and work here as well. Hmm. So not something that's out of reach of them. It came from a, a simple anecdote from someone who said, yeah, one of the housekeepers in my property has lived here for 25 years and she's never been to the top of the mountain. Hmm. So we want to address that and give people the opportunity to experience what we offer 
to our guests as well. So that's the second one. The third one obviously has to do with ensuring that we take care of our, our natural environment and continue all the great efforts that we currently have underway to address challenges to our to our water, um, making sure that we have power, making sure that we, you know, address any areas where we have a large carbon footprint and, and, and reducing that, protecting our wildlife. So all kinds of things associated with that. We wanted to energize our brand because we at the town also have a very substantial marketing effort, which is primarily focused on the non-winter months. And we wanted to make sure that our brand resonates with our community values. So we're, take, we're undertaking a process right now to specifically look at what is that brand? What is the Vail brand as a whole? Not just the mountain, not just the skiing experience, but what it, what are we as a community and what do we value and how do we ensure that we're communicating that to our guests, you know, going forward? And then just really looking at all of our systems and we have a pretty robust implementation plan to ensure that we are listening to the community on a regular basis, using the benefits of the tourism economy to benefit the community, right? To, mm-hmm. to feed back into that. The state of Colorado passed a piece of legislation late last year called HB 1117. And what it did, it repurposed what were traditionally called lodging taxes and gave communities the abilities to take those taxes and rather using those taxes for marketing and promotion, now they can use them for workforce-related issues. So Mm. that really is that housing, childcare, transit piece, right, that's critical for everybody. So the state's doing their work, the county's doing their work, and Vail, we're we're very focused on our own work to ensure that we're protecting what we have and making sure that it's wonderful for future generations, those who live here and those who visit. There were a couple of things you touched on there that I want to circle back to. I mean, one at the end, just that your state has passed legislation to allow you to do something different. And I've talked to and researched some of these different Colorado communities and the things that they have been able to do to create housing and create a better life locally. So much of it is just not legislatively allowed in the state of Wisconsin, and that is one of those. And so kudos to your state government for thinking of uh, different ways to use those resources to help the people who live there. Hopefully, if any of our local politicians are listening to this podcast right now, maybe you'd step up and do the same. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll step away from politics and my soapbox there. And I thought it was really interesting that you said, talked about offering to residents what you offer to your guests. And that... That strikes me because I grew up in Door County and for the longest time, I never got on the water. You know, my family just didn't have the resources. They didn't have a boat. And I remember the first time I I spent some time out on the water with a friend. I think I was probably like 18 and not just swimming, but I mean out on a boat. And I was like, wow, so this is why people come here. This is amazing. Like there's (laughs) nothing like seeing it from the water. And you you just grasp the enormity of how, what, what a beautiful, pristine place this is. And that's probably a large percentage of our population doesn't get out on the tour boats, doesn't get out on the pontoon boats, doesn't get out on a private boat for sure. And they don't go to the, they can't afford to go to the really nice restaurants. They can't afford to go to the theater or a show and spend $75 for a ticket. And that is interesting that, that you built that into your plan. And that's a, that's an idea for us moving forward because if, if people don't know how great these things are by experiencing them, if all they get to do is serve people having a great experience, you know, where's that pride? How do you develop the pride in place and the, and the community valuing those particular things if they don't get to see that side of it? Exactly. And I think another kind of way to approach that, which we've already made some, you know, kind of incremental moves on is we've created a beginning of season, but especially an end of winter season employee celebration where we give away e-bikes and all kinds of wonderful things that the community donates or we buy from the community. And really the, the whole concert and the whole celebration is designed to celebrate the people who work in Vail. 
So that was another one that, you know, it was time to actually say thank you to the people that make this place work and really focus the entire experience on them. And the the guests are welcome to come along, but the guests will understand very quickly that this is about celebrating all the people who Hmm. work in Vail. I love it. For our listeners, one of the things that is put very high up in in the actual 47-page stewardship plan that you have, it says, this 10-year plan spells out a new community-positive focus for the town on the heels of celebrations to mark its founding as a ski resort 60 years ago. While recognizing that tourism is the town's lifeblood, the roadmap states that a strong tourism economy also requires a strong community and that the purpose of tourism is to support the town's remarkable way of life. I thought that, I mean, you could just take that whole thing <laughs> and just swap out the ski community part with our, our, our waterfront peninsula. And I would think that that would resonate with almost every resident here of like, that's, that's what we want out of this industry. You know, if we're going to. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, when you, when you read it to me that way, what comes to my mind first and foremost is housing. And the reason for that is because when everyone moves out of a community and are commuting in and out every single day, the community loses a lot of its heart and soul because Mm -hmm. passion, that commitment and that knowledge of that location and all of the wonderful experiences it offers kind of goes home and sleeps somewhere else at night. And so we're trying to create housing opportunities that literally run the gamut from uh, a frontline lift operator or or busser at a restaurant or a, a housekeeper at a hotel, all the way up to a doctor who wants to work at our wonderful health facility, Vail Health, but actually can't afford to buy a house in Vail because they have to live closer to the emergency room, for example. So we want to address it from diversity within the community and also every socioeconomic level because a good community takes all of that diversity and will be a better community with more diversity. So it's an uphill battle, I'll tell you, but we've made great strides in trying to make sure that we can continue to really like, like embrace that diversity and do everything we can to continue with that. It's interesting. You mentioned, you know, even the doctor. And I think most people are, are think like, well, if you're a doctor or in the medical profession, you know, there's housing available for you. You can afford anything. And we've seen that in our own community in that even the hospital has said, hey, we need more homes. We can't, we can't recruit because people can't live here. Even the top end um, municipal officials who make a good salary struggle to find a home that they can afford. And that's in Door County. And I'd, I'd say from what you told me before we started recording, it's, it's dramatically more difficult in Vail. What, what's kind of like the housing market look like for people in, in town of Vail now? So, you know, I, I moved here 35 years ago, and in those days you could get into a rental for a reasonable rate. It was not ever inexpensive. It was more on the lines of a city than it was of a small community. But, you know, in order to have the lifestyle, we kind of, you know, make sacrifices and make it work along the way. And then what's happened recently is that it's gotten to such a level with such demand from outside the community that a lot of those rentals that were long-term have either been converted to a short-term rental or in many cases, people just decide they don't want to use them except for when they come. And hmm. so it's an ongoing struggle with a community like Door County or ourselves that we don't want dark windows. We don't want to have a whole bunch of residences, whether they're large homes or a two-bedroom condo, that sit empty most of the year because that doesn't help us address our issues, right? So I think that the major conversion has just been the demand for what we offer as a lifestyle and the ability of people to buy into that lifestyle and then their decision as to how they want to use that home. We've had more homes in what we considered to be traditionally residential neighborhoods over the last 10 years, whereas in the past, those were the places where people still could rent, would rent, et cetera. 
And now we've actually created quite a few. We just opened a brand new housing building called the Residences at Mainvale. And our folks are already moved in. I think it was an 18-month start-to-finish project, quite remarkable. And we're doing the same with uh, several other properties that will give people the ability to rent or to own, but to actually do it within Vail so that their voters in Vail, they can live in Vail, they can work in Vail, and they can be part of that community. Hungry for more great Door County stories? Pick up a copy of the autumn issue of Door County Living Magazine. In those pages, you'll learn more about the time an aging Curly Lambo turned up on the sidelines of Gibraltar High School football practices. You'll find out why a nondescript post is much more than a light pole in Ephraim. And you'll be inspired by a family that made Sister Bay their home by the flip of a coin. Find these stories and many more on newsstands everywhere in Door County. The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org careers. Yeah, and you talk about like having dark windows, and it, it just made me think of 10 or 15 years ago, I interviewed an older gentleman in his 80s who there were a bunch of condos getting built around him, and I thought I was going to go do this interview about this guy who would be ticked off about these condos being built, and he had a lot of perspective. He said, you know, at one time, this was those docks down there across the road from me, those were logging docks, and then they were docks that were surrounded by cherry pits from the cherry industry. And then, then they became cottages and now there's a restaurant there and this will always change. This is always an evolution. And he's just going through the stuff he had seen in his lifetime. And he said, I just hope they're, you know, I'm okay with the condos. I just hope they're good neighbors. I'd like to have a neighbor, right? you know, and ultimately that's a lot of the, the short-term rental debate for a lot of people is, Hey, you know, I move into these small towns to have neighbors, to have people I can count on and lean on and that's what drives a lot of the animosity, I think, even as much as it dry, as the housing price issue is the neighbor issue, the community issue. So one of the things you have in Vail, as it was laid out in the stewardship roadmap, you have this Vail Indeed program, and Vail has purchased deed restrictions on a thousand homes already, and those restrictions, and, and you can elaborate on this, but as I understand it, that deed restriction is basically you have to live or you have to live in the county and work in the county at least 30 hours per week. So you have to be a resident who's working in the Eagle County where Vale is located. And then your goal is to buy a thousand more over the next 10 years. So explain this whole model to me, how it's funded and how this works and, and how, how is it working for, uh, the town of Vail? It's actually working really well with the numbers that you just stated, which are very accurate. I couldn't tell you right now what the average deed restriction premium is because obviously, so say say there's a condo and it's worth a million dollars, right? And someone wants to go sell it. Well, there is a premium that we're willing to pay on it if the buyer is actually willing to have a permanent deed restriction on the property, then the seller and the buyer agree to this deed restriction and the deed restriction is in perpetuity. And as you said, the the deed restriction requires that the person who is occupying the unit is actually working within the Eagle County, a business within Eagle County, for a minimum of 30 hours a week. And the reason for that is because while Vail is, you know, a really important and great community that kind of got this valley going, there's a lot of other communities and a lot of other opportunities. And if you think about a family 
you know, not everyone is always going to work in exactly the same community. So we wanted to make, make sure that we have the ability to, again, support that diverse community within Vail, but do it in a way that's flexible enough to accommodate families and different needs and different career paths and that type of thing. So that program is well on its way to the 2100 that we have targeted for 2033. But in addition to that, because that is a, I would say it's a, it takes a little bit longer, right? It's one purchase at a time. So it yeah. takes quite a while, quite a, bit, quite a bit of effort to make it happen. The most innovative approach I think that we've come up with recently is we have an area that's employee housing that's called Timber Ridge, and it's been around since, since the 80s. And it's really a blighted property. It needs to be redeveloped. But the first phase phase of it was redeveloped probably now, I would say, eight or 10 years ago. And unfortunately, not with a high level of density because we couldn't predict the future. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If we had it to do over, we would have done a lot more density. So what we did with the second phase of it, which we're redeveloping, is we created a plan with seven buildings. I think the town itself, the town of Vail, is retaining one. We have at least three buildings that are primarily occupied by business owners, and they can purchase units that are subsidized by the town and will actually provide the deed to the unit on a deed-restricted basis because employers also want to, and the, the wise employers in our community have already bought condos along the way so that they can put their workers in those condos, especially their managers who they want to keep for a longer period of time or their seasonal workers who they want to make sure that they have staff appropriate to winter or summer demands. And so those buildings are primarily occupied or owned right now. You know, we have contracts for sale. One of our local resorts, the Sun and Alp Resort, purchased an entire building for themselves. And the idea there is that these businesses will have the ability to house their own employees and make sure that they have the staff that they need. So it's a really interesting public-private partnership that's a win all the way around for the town for the businesses in town and the remainder of the units are also available for individual purchase by folks within this community. So I think the two bedrooms were starting at about, I think they were about seven, six fifty or seven twenty-five, right in that range. And that is a highly subsidized price for that for that particular type of unit. Yeah. Six six hundred and fifty thousand? Correct. Correct. So just one quick thing. You said the town has one of those buildings. Is the town retaining that so that they can hire staff and have housing available to anyone who they want to bring into the community? Yes. Um, It's a good question, Miles. We have, we have about 300 full-time equivalent employees at this time. And we actually currently already provide either housing, housing assistance, rental, you know, a variety of different programs to ensure that our employees can get into their own housing. And of course they, they pay, but they also receive support from the town for about 80, 85 of those employees. So that's a pretty substantial Mm. percentage. But we've read the tea leaves and we know that for us to get bus drivers for the future and snowplow drivers and the folks that we need on a regular basis, policemen, firemen, we need to ensure that we can also offer housing when we offer employment. So we're looking at our future opportunities in that light to say, if you really want good people, you're really going to have to actually address housing when you address their employment opportunity. How is the town paying for that? Is that just like a, a like a kind of like a premium employee expenditure? Is there a special tax it's, or a special fee? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. So last November, November of 2022, the voters of Vail approved a half a cent tax, sales tax, specifically for housing. Hmm. Up until this time, housing is actually funded through our real estate transfer tax which is 1% on all purchases within or sales within Vail. 
and then they, they passed this additional tax. So that half a cent tax this year is the first ta- year that the tax is in place. I think it's going to generate, don't quote me, but somewhere around 6 to $7 million. So that helps, right? Then we have the real estate transfer tax that's helping us along the way. And then again, these private-public partnerships, the idea is we are a very conservative organization. We have very large reserves. And in many cases, we're drawing those reserves down to get these projects out of the ground. But once we get them out of the ground, whether they're a rental or ownership situation, once those ownership units are purchased and once those rents start coming in, we will be replenishing those reserves. So it's it's a short-term pain for a long-term gain. <laughs> I'm just So you have a sales tax. You have new legislation that allows room tax to go toward this. And you have a real estate transfer tax. And this is just to say for, for perspective, for those in Door County, we have tried none of this <laughs> to address the housing problem. So for years, we've thrown our hands up and we've wondered what, what can we do and how can we possibly do it? Like compared to other communities that are facing the same problem, particularly at least compared to Vail, like we haven't even started to lift the hammer <laughs> to try and address this problem and fix it. It's, it's pretty amazing. How many tools are actually out there if if the laws allow you to do it, and if you have the community support to do it, there are ways to address this is what I'm learning talking to you. I wanted to also ask you a little bit, let's say somebody doesn't know anything about what a deed restriction means. How does a deed restriction work when you purchase these? Uh, You basically are signing on to purchase a property that has very specific guidelines in terms of what is permitted for appreciation of the property and who lives in the property. And so in an oversimplified way, because I will tell you, there's all kinds of different iterations. And Mm -hmm. we have deed restrictions that were created 25 years ago and deed restrictions that were created this year. So they're all a little bit different, but they generally cap the appreciation on the property to anywhere from one to 3%. Whereas, you know, we've had appreciations on our assessed values around here, anywhere from 40 to 60% in the last two years. Yeah. So that obviously, you know, looks quite different. We have a unit that was recently put into a lottery. So that's basically people enter the lottery based on a number of criteria. They get tickets for whether they've lived in Vail, whether they've worked in Vail, whether they work in Vail now, whether they live in Vail now, et cetera. And then we have this lottery and then you can actually buy one of these units, a Vail Commons unit that came up recently. The gentleman who had the privilege of buying it, I think he paid, it's a two bedroom. It was about... 16, 1800 square feet, and he paid just under $270,000 for the unit. Wow. That's what it does in the long term because Bell Commons was built gosh, 20 some years ago. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so it kind of shows you how that makes it, makes it affordable. We have other communities within the Eagle County area, one called Miller Ranch, the same type of thing. You agree that you are not going to benefit from the way that, you know, but you also don't lose when it goes the other way, right? So if everything tanks and <laughs> real estate values go down like they do sometimes, you still are, are tied to that same appreciation cap per year. If I understood this correctly, there are there's also deed restrictions that they have. For the Vale Indeed, you're just limited to... It just requires that you have to be working in Vail. So is that the only restriction in those where it's not necessarily an appreciation cap, but you're sort of building in an appreciation cap because it can only your market is so much smaller? Am I understanding that right? Well, we, we have not restricted yet, to my knowledge, that you have to work in Vail. And that's because, once again, there's only so many jobs in Vail. Or Eagle County. Eagle County, correct? Right. So it's Eagle yeah. County. Yes, that's correct. So you are limit. Yes, you are limited by that restriction as well. So that's who can live in it. Now there are other there are deed restrictions that say the person who owns it has to live in it, and there are deed restrictions that say someone who's in the unit has to be there. So what that does is guarantees that unit is a long term rental rather than a short term rental. 
Right. And that, that gets around some of the other, you know, if you, if you buy that restriction, that's what allows you to do that. Otherwise kind of other laws start to creep in there. Yeah. Yeah. And the way we see it is that it's a permanent deed restriction. So it will permanently change the fabric of the community because you're going to have more ability for people who are not necessarily at the same income level to live in, and work in bail. And just, I know you said you, you're not sh- quite sure what those are now, but like kind of ballpark, like what, what does a deed restriction cost? And is it, is it coming from the town that's buying that restriction in these, in, when, in the case of Vail Indeed, or is that kind of like a nonprofit set up separately? It's the Vail Local Housing Authority, which is a part of the town. Okay. And I know the last guideline that I had heard about, but I want to say I've been with the town for about five years. It used to be closer to $60,000. Okay. You know, it's not a half a million and it's not 10. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it depends on the property. It depends on the market because obviously you need to come to an agreement with your owner. So there's a tremendous amount of real estate transactions that are going on to get to a place where both parties are happy. Wow. Pretty remarkable. Just getting, I mean, at the end of this, are you making a dent? <laughs> Are you seeing it pay off or do you still feel like, oh my gosh, we are desperate for housing and we are, we're losing our community? Where, where is it going? Where is it trending? It's a really good question. And I would say that the, we're actually on Tuesday, uh, we have a town council meeting and we will be over at the residences at Mainvale with a little celebration because those folks just moved in last week and I think it's 70 some units. So it's, it's very much incremental in terms of what you get to see come back, but I can already feel it changing the the structure because there's been such an exodus that now we're getting more of um, an inflow of folks. That that one unit that I just mentioned, I think there were 142 people that entered the lottery to buy that one unit. So it kind of gives you an idea of the demand for this type of housing. Yeah, I just did uh, another interview with the developer of a 45-unit affordable housing project done through kind of the traditional Wisconsin Housing and Economic Development Authority framework. And that comp, those 45 units, 44 of them are full, like six weeks after the final one was completed. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And that's a complex in which, you know, you have to go through pretty rigorous review of your financial records to qualify. Yeah. And that's, that's true here as well, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of other requirements where you are on the income level, et cetera. It depends. Again, each deed restriction is different. They were created at different times and in different economic conditions, but they generally all follow that same pattern. And I would say that once again, Vail is doing a tremendous job and we have great leadership in George Ruther who is overseeing our housing department, but the entire county has been doing the same thing and creating wonderful opportunities. They just did a collaborative effort with the with the school district and, and created some units for school teachers. They went and did a collaborative effort with Colorado Mountain College. So just the college, the community college, just to create additional housing there as well. So there's a lot of public-private partnership going on to get what we need for this community. I was going to ask you, there's always that question of like, well, we need this thing, but who's supposed to lead? Who's supposed, is it, should it be your community foundation? Should it be your county board? Should it be the state? Should it be nonprofits or individuals or the private market? It sounds like there's a, a lot of, it's just like buy-in from, at least from what you're telling me, it sounds like they're just buy-in at all these different levels that they recognize we have to have this and we have to do something about it. And maybe that's a statewide thing, but because Colorado's laws allow you to do some more of these things, but it doesn't seem... Like when we're here, it's, it, it always seems like people are waiting for somebody else to do this, to fix it. So I think that it all came to a head when you had over-visitation. We had so many people driving in and 
visiting Vail because they couldn't go abroad and they couldn't go elsewhere more outside and it's a beautiful place. And then at the same time, the businesses did not have enough employees to keep their stores open and their Mm -hmm. restaurants open. So it really came to a head and I think everyone paid a lot more attention so that when we went to the ballot with the initiative to do a half a cent sales tax, it passed very easily. Uh, Everyone recognized we need to do this. We need to do a benefit from the sales tax, which is primarily from our guests. And we need to take that benefit and bring it back into the community to make the community, you know, thrive. I'm curious. You said the town has 300 employees, give or take. Do you have any idea how many of those 300 live within the town of Vail or within Eagle County? You know, I don't. I would say the great majority are in Eagle County. We have a couple of neighboring counties, Summit County and Lake County, where some people reside, and even Garfield County. The majority would definitely be in Eagle County. But yeah, people still commute long ways to get to work, whether yeah. they whether they live in Vail, work in Vail or not. And that, that question kind of leads back to, you know, the dark windows discussion we had a, a little bit ago. And when you have, you know, when a municipality hires somebody, and if there's such a value add, and I don't know how you would quantify it, but I think financially, like if you hire someone and they live you know, directly in your town, that's like the most valuable. And if they live really close, so they, they see how the town operates and they, they experience it and they volunteer there and they shop there, there's huge value there. And the farther away you get, like your dollars going less and less far, the farther away from you that they have to live. So providing that housing as, as it sounds like Vale is looking at it and trying to create some places for people to live. Yes, it's costly, but it does create a better employee and and thus a better town and community. Absolutely. A more engaged community. Um, Mm -hmm. We're working on a master plan for our Westvale area. And Westvale is an area where there's a far more residential folks that live there year round. And we're really looking to create additional attributes that will uh, benefit the community right there in that area where most of those folks live. So knowing that we're creating additional housing opportunities, there's a project there called Chamonix, which is individual townhomes with garages that were created probably about six years ago, those are fully occupied. Two of our council members live in that deed restricted housing. Hmm. So it, it, it definitely benefits the community. It, it contributes to the civic engagement because if you have people living and working there, they, they care more. They, they are closer. They have more time. They have more energy. They also spend the dollars there. Everything right. that you said is absolutely right on. Yep. Yeah. And if you're, if you're talking about teachers in your school, that means when they have kids, their kids go to that same school and that yep. teacher coaches or does an extracurricular because their kids are there. You know, there's all those sorts of benefits that I know in, in our peninsula, we, we grapple with that same thing. So Mia, I've taken about 45 minutes of your time and <laughs> I, I don't want to take too much more, but I'm curious, is there anything about this stewardship roadmap or the, the housing initiatives that we haven't covered that we don't want to leave on the floor here? You know, I think the two things I would say is that the importance of public engagement and of an ongoing monitoring of the community sentiment and then the guest sentiment as well, because obviously your guest is still the primary contributor to your economy. So you need to ensure that you're providing that experience to them. But now we're going to be much more cognizant and much more intentional about listening to what the community needs and what the community has as creative solutions to the problems that we face. And the related piece with that is that when we develop our new brand, our new brand will not be consumer facing only. It will be consumer facing and will also will ensure that we have some conversations with the community about the values that they have and how we continue to communicate those. The marketing piece of the stewardship roadmap is another piece that I oversee and that we ensure that we that we educate our guests about what's important to us and how we take care of what we have. And if they love it, 
then they should take care of it as well. And providing tools to do that and providing resources and and education on that is a really important focus for us going forward. Excellent. Well, Mia, thank you so much for having a pretty detailed discussion about a lot of the things you have going on in Vail. Kudos to you folks for for making these efforts and strides, and hopefully we can learn a little bit about it and learn from you guys and implement something different here in Door County. Thanks so much, Mia. Excellent. You're so very welcome, and I I absolutely love Door County, and I wish you guys the very best. Thank you. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you want to listen to some more conversations about housing, check doorcountypulse.com slash podcast. You'll find two more episodes in this series. One is with Brett Coy of the Door County Community Foundation, where we talk about their new initiative to create a lending program to support innovative housing projects and proposals in Door County. And then a podcast with Marissa Downs of Mosaic Development, who is a developer behind one of the largest truly affordable housing projects in Door County that opened this past July. That's the Shoals Apartment Complex in Sister Bay, a 45-unit development. And we talk about the nuts and bolts of what makes it so hard to develop affordable housing on the peninsula, whether it be the hoops you have to jump through from a, a regulatory standpoint or something as simple as the rock that you have to blast through to build on this peninsula. So hope you check those out again. It's doorcountypulse.com slash podcast. And we'll be back here talking to you again really soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. This podcast is produced by Miles Danhausen Jr. and edited by Rachel Lucas. If you want to help us continue to create more great episodes just like this one, visit our website at doorcountypulse.com. 